so I want to give you a word this morning. Somebody say word. word. That could transform you. That could change you. That could empower you to see victory in your life. Or you can stay in defeat. Many times what people don't realize is they're in defeat because they start out with a defeated mindset. Your mindset will create a victory result or a destruction result. It'll create the victory. It'll create the overcoming or you can just be overwhelmed. There is either overcome or overwhelmed. You know, I, I love watching like um, I'm an action movie kind of guy or like fantasy uh, kind of guy. And, and I love watching movies where, where there's just overwhelming, ridiculous odds of enemy. And, and sometimes you'll see somebody terrified of the overwhelming force and you're like, we can't survive this. Um, and, and then, but then you'll see that one guy, right? Have you ever watched like Lord of the Rings? There's a short guy, which I resemble. I mean, I, I identify with uh, Gimli, right? And, and you see like armies of tens of thousands of guys and they're like, all right, we're going to stack up some numbers today. Their mentality is not they're going to be overrun. Their mentality is they're going to be able to see even more victory. They're going to get to show off the strength in them. And I love seeing that tenacity and that fight that happens when it's like, okay, there's overwhelming odds, but I am not overwhelmed because I am made to overcome. It's amazing how many people do not want to overcome. You might, you might say, well, no, that's not true. Who doesn't like to overcome? I think everybody wants to overcome. Nobody wants to have to overcome. Well, Lord, I want a miracle. You don't want to need a miracle. Lord, I want to be victorious, but I don't want to have to fight. And there are so many people that do not want to engage in what is in front of them. And so they'd rather live a withdrawn life so that they're not overwhelmed rather than put themselves in a situation to overcome. So how do we overcome? Where does it begin? What practically can I give you this morning that will help you to overcome? That will help you to be more than a conqueror? Because it's great to overcome, but then if you don't walk and live in a victorious life, you have become a conqueror. But the Bible says that you are more than conquerors. So some of us, our mentality of Christianity is this. I just want to win the battle and not lose. So we stay in a defensive posture our entire lives. Every time the enemy comes, I just want to overcome. I just, I just want to conquer this thing. But we don't actually get into building. We battle, but we never build. The Bible says we're more than conquerors. So that means there's something after conquering. There's something about a lifestyle of advancement, a lifestyle of victory, a lifestyle of building something after the battle. So I don't know what you're battling this morning, but I'm here to tell you this morning, not only are you supposed to see victory, but you're supposed to see advancement. You're supposed to see increase. You're supposed to see building something. You're supposed to see the kingdom of God get built. Somebody, look, we're the army of the Lord, but we're not just the army of the Lord. We're the government of the Lord. It means after we fight, we build. It means that we establish. 
we take dominion, we begin to advance. The kingdom of God is meant to do more than just win when we're assaulted. And we're definitely not meant to be salty. We're meant to be the salt, but not salty. Some of the older generations like, I don't get the difference. Ask a young person. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. We're just waiting on the Lord just a little bit. There's, there's some of you in here as, I, as I'm just asking the Lord and just waiting on him for a moment. There's some of you in here, there's just a heaviness that's been on you. Uh, just a real heaviness. Uh, and the heaviness is in your mindsets. I feel the heaviness of the thoughts in the room. And yeah, that's not just hyperbole. The Lord will show me many times what the thought patterns are. And I can feel the heaviness in thought patterns. Some of you have been going through this season. And I know. And I struggle. I am human just like you guys. I know that's weird. I know. I don't know if you know this, but I'm human. And I struggle with, with mindsets sometimes of feeling like I just can't overcome the thing. I just can't get through to it. I just can't break through to the other side. I just can't seem to get consistent. Is there anyone in the room that ever feels like sometimes you have the victory and sometimes you got the setback and sometimes it feels like you just, maybe you, maybe you know the word, maybe you, you're, you're pressing all in, but sometimes it just feels like you can't be consistent. There are moments where it's like, yes, and the very next day you're like, gosh, what happened? The consistency, and there's something to that. So I want to help you this morning a way that I help myself to get more consistent in a moment where I'm starting to get pushed back from the enemy and feel like it's going the wrong direction. How is it that I can stand strong in the midst of that struggle? So I got a word for you. Somebody say word. word. So I pulled out pulled out the board. I never do that, right? You're like, oh, he, it's probably because he's got Jewish words and stuff. Yeah, I got Jewish words. So I'm going to give you some Hebrew, and I thought it would be nice to write them down for you so you could see it rather than me spatter it off like Rabbi Shoshana does, and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't catch anything she just said. I don't know what that word is. So I'm going to help you guys out just a little bit. We're, we're going to talk about it. We're, we're in a season where God wants to do something. You know, the, I, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but everything that heaven does, Satan has a counterfeit for. There is a counterfeit for everything. In fact, Satan is not the creator of anything. He doesn't create. He only counterfeits. So everything he has is a counterfeit. Anytime, here's a, here's a great thing about that, by the way, if you didn't know. You can figure out what heaven is doing. You can figure out the power and authority of heaven by simply ana analyzing the culture of heaven or the counterfeit of Satan. Sometimes we see what God is doing and sometimes we see what the enemy is doing. And when we see the enemy using something or doing something, we can say, hey, that's a counterfeit. So there has to be an original source. Right? The power of God is many times mimicked and, and imitated by the enemy. In fact, the book of Revelations, I don't know if you say this, but it says there'll be a time in the book of Revelation where the enemy is allowed to do signs and wonders. Did you know that? 
He's allowed to do signs and wonders. It says he does signs and wonders. He does miracles, signs and wonders. By the way, it never says he heals. That's a misconception. Miracles are different. Signs and wonders are different than healing. Is, is healing a miracle? Absolutely. Absolutely healing is a miracle. But not all miracles are healing. And so the word actually says that I'll give them a gift of healing. The Bible talks about gifts that the body of Christ are given. And one of them is healing. It says one has a gift of healing. Another has a gift of miracles. It separates those things into different categories. So it never says the enemy can heal. It just simply says he does signs and wonders. And what's interesting, if you follow it up with the next verse, it says they're all false. They're all fake. They're all a magic trick. They're just an illusion. Now, I like magic tricks. No one get offended. The religious people in here, I said the word magic and they're all offended. So if you find yourself offended as I go through this next part, you might have a religious spirit. Here's the thing. You can get offended at the end, but let me at least get through the fun part of it, okay? I promise I'm going somewhere, but I like little magic tricks. I like little illusions, okay? I prefer the word illusion. Uh, Jonathan Meyer, he's an illusionist, uh, and, he do, and he does some great stuff, and he'll show me these great magic tricks and these illusions, and then, and then I'm like, that's amazing. And he's like, you want to see how I did it? And I'm like, no. No. I want my childlike mind to remain intact. And then I'm like, okay, if you want to. I've never seen one that wants to show me the trick. So I'm always like, that's amazing. And then I'm twice as amazed at the skill it takes to do that. So I am not very good at it, but I can try to do some if I can. I just, I, I'm going to do something to kind of set this word up because we're going to talk about uh, the power of God to transform your mindset. And we're going to do it through a little bit of, of, uh, of a, a little bit of a illusion show. How's that? Is that weird? You're like, Pastor Ren, you have a sermon illustration? So where's Tara? Was Tara in the back there? Is she still there? Come here. I want to use you. I just feel like you'll be a good sport for this. Is that okay? Somebody get me the saw that I had saved. I'm just kidding. Come here. Don't cut people in half. Uh, hey, grab me one of those tissues right there. Okay, I'm going to make a little room here for the camera, guys. You stay right there. All right, hang on a second. All right. Oh, man, I need my headset. I'm going to have to switch real quick. Hang on. All right, there we go. You can hear me? All right. Okay. All right, I got a little illusion here for you. All right, now here's what I need. Okay, come over here and face me. All right? Okay, it's just a normal tissue. You gave it to me. So no, you can still check it since I walked over there. Still normal tissue. All right? Now here's what I need. I need audience. See, sometimes when we face things in life, we can believe that the enemy has power, he doesn't. And when we're up close in the middle of the battle, sometimes it's hard for us um, to believe that the enemy doesn't have power over us. 
okay? And so sometimes we need people um, to help stand with us, okay? But for right now, I don't need any people to stand with her. I need you to leave her alone. And I need, this is what I need. I know you're going to be amazed, but I need everyone just to remain calm and stay quiet, okay? And just try to let her walk through this process. I'm not that good at this, so we'll see if this works, okay? I'm just going to take this tissue. I got nothing up the sleeves, okay? All right. Looks good. I'm going to take this little tissue, and all I want you to do is tell me what hand it's in. Nope, it's in this hand. All right, let's try again. You just got to watch real close, okay? Which hand is it in? That was it. That was better. It was better. It was good. She did good. Okay, all right. So I'm just going to move it around for a second. What hand is it in? No, you got it wrong. All right, you can watch it. I know you can do it. I'm teaching you. Okay, ready? Oh, scary, scary. <laughs> Which hand is it in? No, that's not it. Okay, I, you do it. Try it one more time. Ready? Okay. Okay, there it is. Ready? Watch it. Watch Watch the bouncing ball. Ready? Okay, which hand is it in? Nope, it's not in that one, so it's in that one, right? Nope. What? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Ever so gently. Pull up my pant leg right there. Go ahead. Just pull, just pull it up. What? Oh, it's in my sock. You ripped it. Are you blown away? A little bit. Is that impressive? Are you guys impressed? No. She's impressed. You're not impressed. Right? Because you had a different perspective, didn't you? See, they're laughing. They saw, they saw what you did. Huh? Let's go slow, real quick. Ready? You see, she's overwhelmed by, wow, that's so awesome. See, the enemy comes and he does tricks on us to make us think he's more powerful when in fact he's just a trickster. And when we have people watching our back, when we have people engaged from the outside that are not so up close, we can stand against anything. So the first rule of seeing the victory is be surrounded by people that will help you fight. Okay, so let me do one more. Let me see if I can do this one. This one's hard. I don't know if I can do it, okay? okay. I don't know if I can do it. So, oh, hang on a second. All right. All right, let me see if I can do this. Okay, ready? I'm going to take the coin like this, and I'm going to rub it. Where did it go? You put your hand behind your back, though. What does that mean? Where? I don't know. Where do you guys think it is? Your back pocket. That's what somebody said. What? Does anybody agree? <laughs> Do you think it's in my back pocket? Why don't you check your hood instead? What in the world? Let me come up here. Show them. That's going to mess with you guys all day. All right, thank you very much. I needed a good victim. I mean, volunteer. So let's talk about that. See, that was what we like to call... A little bit of what would, would the word be that a magician would use, an illusionist would use when he did that trick? Anybody know one of those words? Come on, what's the most famous one of all of them? Abracadabra. I heard it right there, right? Abracadabra. Boom, there it is. And a lot of times we think of this word, like this word that says, you know, maybe you've heard of the word presto. You ever heard that? Presto. That's just an Italian word for now, like fast. That's all it means, fast, right now. 
But abracadabra, that's the famous saying that that a, a, an illusionist might say when they're doing a trick like that. Uh, and, and the enemy is a counterfeiter. And so, you know, I, I heard this word abracadabra and God spoke to my spirit and said, look into that word abracadabra. So I'm going to teach you something about that word today. Can I teach you something about it? All right. So we're going to go through it. Abra. In, in the Hebrew, that's, that's the right way, I promise. In the Hebrew language, many times words are spelled with a B or a V. Okay, and so they're interchangeable based on the dialect. So a lot of words get moved around into a B or a V. Okay, so the root of where this came from is it's the Aramaic Hebrew word, Avra. Kadavar. Okay, that's where it comes from originally. It, that's its Semitic roots. That's its language roots. Abra Kadavar. Okay, and I'm going to show you what this means. Ka means like the. Excuse me. Like the. Let me write it out this way. Avar. Now, the word, let me do Devar first here. We'll do Devar. So the word Devar here uh, is a strong word, uh, 1697. It can be Davar or Davar, depending on the dialect. Davar or Davar. And the feminine version of the word Davar or Davar is Deborah. It, that's the feminine version of that. But Davar is a word that means I will create. I will create. Ka is like the, and avar is the word for, it's kind of a word that means the command, okay? Command um, to, to order, but devar at its root, I will create, but the word devar, when it talks about create, that's the meaning of what it means, but what it actually means is, in its simplest form, it means word. It means word. Devar means word. What did God use to create everything? The word. So the spoken word, so it means word. It also can mean something else. Now, in the Jewish language, what's interesting about this word in particular uh, let, me, let me just write this out. But the, the Jewish language, this word, word, actually means two different things. And we find it in the Bible meaning two different things. And I'm going to show this to you. Okay. And so basically what this means is this. I will create like the, oh, I ran out of room here, command. I will create like the command. Let me give you a different way to say that. Or I will create according to what you spoke. The word, what you spoke, a physical word, a word that comes out of your mouth. I will create according to what you spoke. I will create according to the word. I will create according to the word that you gave me, the command 
you gave me. That would all be interpretations of avar kadabar. And that's what it means. I will create like the command given. I will create like the word. And what's amazing about that is, so, so we're talking about the counterfeit of Satan. Like something got created, right? A magic trick, an illusion. It's like something got created out of thin air. That coin just got created in her hoodie. No, it didn't. It was just a trick, so nobody freak out, okay? But it, got, it seems like that. And so it's an illusion or a counterfeit of actual, real, genuine power. And Satan only has illusion tricks he can do. That's the good word. That's the truth. And when you understand that and you start to step in and say, okay, well, if Satan can have illusions of power, that means there's an authentic version that God can do. Amen? And so here's what's interesting. The word devar, I think we just need to dive into this Hebrew word devar. Because the word devar, when you add a, a my to it, medvar. Midvar, my devar, which is the strong words 4057 for you that are like super deep. But it's the word we derive when you add the MI to it, it's the word we derive for the wilderness. So midvar, let, let, let's put that, let me let me let me say it differently. Let me Englishize it. Okay, this is not the meaning, but it'll make sense. Middle of Devar. See, the wilderness was the place in the middle. It was the place in between from the prison to the palace, right? From, from bondage to the promise. We had a middle place, the wilderness. But what was interesting about the wilderness is it was the place where they heard the voice of God. It was the place that Moses encountered the voice of God, the middle place of the voice. So when we talk about the wilderness, it's the place where the word came. Better than that, it's the place where the orders came. See, the word devar at its root is not just that it's a word, but it's a word with authority. It's a place where orders are given. Orders as in commands. Okay, so what do we call what was given in the desert place to Moses? We call it the Ten Commandments. We call it the Ten Commandments. Uh, but but I, I think that it's important to understand that God on that mountaintop began to order the people of Israel. And he began to establish the kingdom of God once again on the earth through this order of a nation, a people set apart, a royal priesthood set apart for him. And what happened there was that God began to give commands or orders to the children of God. And many times I'll hear people say this. They'll say, God is in control. Let me just tell you this right now. We don't have a controlling God. He is not controlling every move you make. That is not what I read when I open my word. I don't see a controlling God. God is not in control. He's in command. And you are in control of how you obey those orders. It's up to you to obey what God is saying. The word of God that you obey because he commands. You know, a soldier can disobey orders. They have the free will and they are in control of whether or not they obey those orders. God is not a God of control. He's a God of command. 
And what's interesting is we call them the Ten Commandments, but the word commandment is never listed in the Hebrew word. The, the actual Hebrew word for command is actually not what's there. The, the word there is actually order. It's better as order. So we should really call it the Ten Orders. And what's interesting about that is the word order, because that Hebrew word not only means order as in a command given, but also order as in alignment. And so that word devar, the command of God, the word of God, is an order of alignment, something that you obey that brings alignment and brings order. It places things in its right order, and you follow the order. That's the better definition of that word. Order means to bring things in alignment, orderly, and also command. So God is the general issuing commands. But let's, let's do that because God's heart is to see perfect order inside the body of Christ again. He or, the Bible says he orders our steps. So it has a double meaning to it. He commands and arranges them in right order. You know, it's interesting. So this word, word, I want you to understand how, how amazing this is. So not only does it mean word, but in the Hebrew language, devar, it has two meanings that are expressed in our word, in our Bible. It means word. It is also the word in the Bible for thing, for a physical thing. It means word, the spoken word, the command given. Or thing. So in the Bible, these two things are completely indistinguishable. When it's spoken, it can be a word or it can be a thing. It is both something that is abstract and something that is physical. And when I say thing, it means something in the physical realm. To the Hebrew language, to the Hebrew culture, a word is an actual thing. It is a real thing. When something is spoken, it becomes a real thing. God said, let there be light, and there was really light. It came from an abstract word being spoke and became a physical thing. And the Hebrews believed that very much, that that's what Devar meant. It was a word, and it was a thing. In fact, the Bible gives us all kinds of back and forths on the root word Devar there that go from, they spoke, and there was a thing. In fact, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it, it says both word and thing there in the same sentence. And it says this, after these things, the word of the Lord came. After these things, the word of the Lord came. After the davar, the davar came. It does not, it's not able, the Bible itself does not distinguish between the manifest thing and the word being spoken. Are you catching? Some of you that know what I'm saying right now understand that I'm talking about how to manifest the glory of heaven in your life. That when God put the breath of God in you and he spoke things into existence, he expected his children to start looking like the father. And to start to open their mouth and declare a word so it would become a thing. There's some of you that need to start declaring a word so it becomes a thing. Some of you are lacking things in your life. Some of you are going through problems in your life. And you're saying, Lord, I don't see it in the natural because you have not been declaring it in the supernatural. That which you speak becomes manifest in the world according to the word of God. The devour that's spoken becomes the devour you see. It becomes the thing that you see. 
So we can see that it becomes a thing. We can also see in Numbers 18.7, it says this, where it says, all things of the altar, all devar of the altar. We see this all the time. In the Hebrew minds, words and things, they have just as much substance. So this helps us kind of understand a few things in the Bible. Maybe you've read the story of Jacob and Isaac. And when Jacob stole his brother's birthright in Genesis chapter 7, it says that, um, uh, that he tricked his father. He, he, did a little, he did a little illusion and made himself hairy like his brother. And his brother was blind. Uh, and so he, he put on some, some, some fur and he went up and his father, Isaac, he felt his arm and felt the fur and he thought it was Esau. And so he laid hands on Jacob and gave the birthright inheritance that was for the oldest son, Esau, to Jacob. And he spoke it. And Esau came in and saw that he had been tricked out of his birthright. And some of us read that story. And, and Isaac was like, well, sorry, bro. Sorry about you. Nothing I could do. I already done did it. And we read that. And we're like, Why? Why can't he just be like, hey, you tricked me. No, that's for your brother. Mm, go to your room. <laughs> he doesn't undo it. Basically, his opinion is what has spoken is done. There is no way to retract it because what was a word became a thing. The inheritance was already spoken. Therefore, it has already been manifest. It cannot be retracted. It's already created. What you speak becomes. See, Isaac believed that. Otherwise, he would have said, you tricked me. You can't have that. No, that's not yours. There is something about the, the, the people of God in the beginning that they understood something we don't understand. That word, you can't take back. No takey backsies. Let me say it that way. Some of you will get it. You can't take back what you've already uttered. When you understand the power and authority of your words spoken, you'll be careful what flies out of your mouth. There are some of you that are so uncareful with what you speak and you wonder why your life is in chaos because your words are in chaos. You wonder why you can't see victory because you're constantly saying, I'm so defeated. You're constantly speaking negative and expecting the positive and you don't understand why you keep manifesting these things in your life because you don't understand the words you speak become the things you see. Somebody needs to start declaring the right things. And understand, once you utter it, it's released. Once you speak it, it's loose. The word of God says what you loose in heaven shall be loosed on earth. What are you loosing? What are you binding? Some of you have loosed some things on your life that you are still trying to catch. You are trying to put it back in the box you opened because of what you speak. Because you are, you are not careful with your words. And you say, oh, that's okay. See, here's the thing is what I found is that some people say, well, I said it and it didn't happen. I get that. Absolutely. Powerless people don't create anything with their words. But if you keep saying it, see, if you're a child of God and you keep saying it, even if you don't know your authority, it will begin to manifest. Eventually, you'll get through. Eventually, it'll manifest. What are you manifesting? What are you speaking and declaring over your life? What are you speaking and declaring over your children? What are you speaking and declaring over your spouse? 
over your job, over your home? What are you speaking and declaring over your friends? Man, I meet so many people all the time with a negative mindset. And the enemy will convince you it's okay to wallow for a minute. And you'll see this thing, I'm just venting. Children of God with the authority of God can't vent. I need you to hear me. You could say I'm frustrated, but you got to be careful what you declare. Decree a thing and it shall be established. You have to be careful what comes out of your mouth. I remember when we took the mission trip. I've told this story. We took a mission trip down to Honduras. And we got down there. We were there in February. And there was an ice storm here. There was a snow blizzard here. An Oklahoma snow blizzard. So like three days. We can sled today and not tomorrow. There was, a, there was snow on the ground. And we were down in Honduras. Sitting in 70 degree weather under the banana trees and the mangoes growing in the coffee groves. And it was perfect weather, sun shining. So I took a video, me and the team. And I was like, hey guys, hey FSC, we really miss you guys. Would you please pray for us? We're, and I was spanning around so they could see the beauty. I said, there's banana trees out here. We're on a mountaintop. And I'm like, there's banana trees out here and we're just suffering for Jesus right now. We're just suffering. So much suffering for Jesus, so please pray for us. Oh, it's 70 degrees. Oh, we're, we're like, yeah, it's so tough. You want to know something? Every single one of us got sick that night. And the rest of the, of the trip, we were deadly sick. Like go to the hospital sick. We were sick. And for the rest of the trip, the person that preached was the person that could stand the longest. The one that was like, well, I'm not throwing up. You are. I'll preach. And we did every preaching engagement sick as a dog. Just miserable. And I learned right then. See, I didn't catch it quite then. We took another trip. We went to Pakistan. And Mark, he's like, we're just suffering. I was like, no, don't say it. And he let it loose anyways. I was like, I hope you don't know your authority. <laughs> but dang it, I discipled him too well. We all got sick. Most of us. Most of us. Big Dean just is too high above the germs. All the germs were, they were at our level, but he was up here, so he was safe. The clouds stayed at my level, so he's safe. Um, but several of us got sick as a dog. I had to miss, a, like I had the worst migraine I've ever had in my life. I'd never experienced one like that. And it was terrible. And I learned right then, the Lord was like, you have to be careful. Look, it was one thing when you were in the world and didn't know who you are, but now you know who you are. You know you have the power of life and death in your tongue and what you release has authority. You need to watch what comes out of your mouth, joking or not joking. You have power and authority and God has given you prophetic power. You better be careful what comes out of your mouth. If we truly had an understanding of the true power of our words to create. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says this. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but powerful through God for the tearing down of strongholds. Does anybody in here want to have some better weapons to tear down some strongholds? Is anybody going, I need a better weapon, Pastor Ren. I've been struggling to tear down strongholds. I got things that I'm facing, things I'm not winning on. I've been battling, and it feels like no matter what, I can't seem to get the victory, and I need a better weapon. Look, some of you are thinking you're less. You're not enough. 
You're not strong enough. Here's the truth. God has put his strength in you because his spirit is in you. And he does not have a weak spirit. You do not have a junior Holy Spirit. You are not in lack. You are not in decrease. You just don't know your authority. See, if you just understood what you're missing is not the strength, it's the weapon. You're missing the weapon. So you say, I just need, I know I have it in me. I don't know why I haven't seen it manifest yet. I need a better weapon. Somebody wants a weapon, right? So we talk about that. The weapons of our warfare are mighty. Yeah. We want to pull down some strongholds. Yeah. But some of us don't go on. What are those weapons? It's hyperbole. What are the weapons? Well, if we'd read the rest of the verse, if we read the next verse, we would pick up the weapons. See, some of you are looking at me like, what's next? I didn't read that far. That's why it's really important that we stop being verse reading people. Look, I love the verse of the day. Stop it. If your version of reading the Bible is I read the verse of the day, stop it. You will have bad theology. There's nothing wrong with a verse that you declare and decree. But if all you ever do is read verses instead of books, you will miss the context of what God is trying to teach you. You'll miss the before and the after, and you'll say things like that. The weapons of our warfare are mighty. They're not carnal for the pulling down of stronghold. And you're like, yay, but I don't know what my weapons are because you never read after it. I would say even read the whole chapter, but there's been so many times the chapter before explained the chapter I'm reading. The verse before explains the first verse of the chapter, and I have no context unless I read the end of three into four. So it says this. Let me read it again. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly or carnal, but powerful through God for the tearing down of strongholds. We are tearing down false arguments. Someone say false arguments. What are, we, what are the strongholds that he's talking about? False arguments. Words spoken to tear you down. Those are the arguments you're messing with in your mind. It's the argument the enemy is making in your mind. And it can be anything that you've been dealing with. You're nothing. You can't do it. Who would use you? Who would love you? Whatever the argument is that the enemy comes and says you, get, you don't have the strength to overcome that. You're going to live with that for the rest of your life. God's not going to heal you of that knee problem. Whatever the argument is, false argument, the lie of the enemy, the arguments built up against you, that's the purpose of the weapon. The stronghold that we're referencing, that Paul is referencing here, is the tearing down of false argument. And every high-minded thing. Oh, let me tell you what. Sometimes, man, Pete, let me... <laughs> Sometimes I think we need to catch the mentality of if you are listening to the false arguments of the enemy, you might have a high mind. Some of you are living on the drug of negativity. You are living on the dopamine response of the negative because it gives you an adrenaline rush to be anxiety and be fearful and be afraid. And there's a dopamine and there's a, an adrenaline rush that comes with that. And you have taught yourself to live on a high mind. But it says this, and every high-minded thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we read here that the false argument and the high-minded things, the false argument and the false thoughts, high-minded Arguments, words, thoughts, mind that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
against the truth of God's word. So there is a battle that happens in our mindsets that turns into our mouthsets that begins to be things we speak and declare that come against what God's truth is. And you say, well, I know what God's word says, but I don't see it. Somewhere between the knowing, there is a mindset that the enemy has infiltrated that has turned negative words. He has spoken, you have received it in your mind, and then you begin to declare it. And so the weapon you need are words. The weapon you need are thoughts. You need a transference of your mindset. You need to renew your mind. And I know that's hyperbole. Let's talk about it. We have to begin to speak out. We have to begin to change our mindset. So what we speak out has a different reality. And it says this in Job 22, 28 says, you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. This is not new age stuff. This is the word of God. It says, if I declare a thing, it'll be established for me. It's what the word of God says. But in order to declare a thing, I got to think a thing. I'll never declare what I don't think. It has to get into my mind before it gets it out of my mouth. So when your mindset becomes your speech pattern, you'll transform thoughts to things. It's time for the church to begin to transform our thoughts to things. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. What you speak is the sound of your mind. What you speak is the sound of your thoughts. God has not given you a spirit of fear. You need to start making your mindsets that are focused on the power and love of God become the sound that comes out of your mouth. You need to begin to declare what it is that God has put in your mind, to renew your mind, to dwell on the knowledge of God and change your stinking thinking. See, that word um, in other translations, that's a KJV. But in other translations, King James... It's really old. It's got these and thous. The word sound mind is also translated in other translations um, as discipline or self-control. So a lot of them will say, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power of love and discipline or power and love and self-control. See, what happens is, is when you begin to renew your thoughts, you begin to be capable of controlling yourself. You begin to be capable of disciplining your mindset to walk in love and power. Disciplining your mindset to no longer receive a spirit of fear. Is there anyone in here that wants to be timid? See, I like that. Spirit of fear, I think that's the right word, but I like that word timid. Because what we do is we'll say fear, bad, but we'll water down the word enough where it's okay for us. We'll water down the word timid's not so bad. I'm just a little timid. I'm just a little timid. That doesn't sound as bad as fear. And so we'll speak things over ourselves that don't sound as bad but still lead to the same dark place. It's like Pastor Rachel always says. She says, I used to just say I'm shy, and I realized that shy is fear in disguise. There is no such thing as a personality trait of shy. There's introverted, but that is not shy. 
Introvert says, I don't want to talk to all of you. I want to talk to one of you. There is a difference. So if you say, well, I'm real shy. I'm an introvert. That is not the same thing. See Pastor Rachel for inner healing. The sound of your mind will create a disciplined life. When you start to change your mindset, start telling yourself the positive. When the enemy comes in and says, you can't do it, you say, yes, I can. And you start declaring against the false arguments the enemy makes. And you start getting louder than the enemy. The problem is that sometimes we're like, that's, that's just not true. That's not nice. Mm. I mean, I don't think it's true. I hope it's not true. Does everyone else think that's true? It must be true. That's the path we take to get there. And we end up in false arguments. Instead of saying, enemy, you're a liar. And I stand. I raise my sword, my weapon against every false argument. And you have no strong hold on me. You're not strong enough to hold me. So it creates a disciplined life. It doesn't just control the surroundings. It brings control over you. Your words ultimately will control you. God is in command, but you are in control of how you respond to those commands. See, the word was how the enemy used, it was his tactic to use against Eve in the garden. The original fall of man wasn't by the enemy assaulting Eve. He didn't come and battle her for the garden. It wasn't the great garden battle. He didn't wield a sword and put her into fear. He spoke words to change her mindset, to take away her self-control, her disciplined mind, to discipline herself to stay away from the one tree she was not supposed to touch. She was not supposed to eat, excuse me. She already had a wrong mindset. You see, the mindset had already been set in. See. Eve, we, we give her a bad time, but Eve was actually getting a, a, assaulted in her mindset from both sides. One from the man that was supposed to protect her and guide her and lead her, and one from the enemy. See, Adam, when we get to that point where the, where the serpent comes up and says to her, you will not surely die. When we get to that point, see, Eve had already talked to the serpent. She'd already engaged him in these words, right? And at first, she's combating him. She's speaking against what he's saying. Yeah, no, no. And she says this. She declares the word of God. God said, you shall not eat of it. But then she says this. You shall not eat or touch it. Did God ever say not to touch it? Oh, that's Adam's words. Adam was given the command from God, do not eat of the tree. When we get to Eve, we see her saying, do not eat or touch it. See, religion started to come in. Rules that God didn't make. Boundaries, strongholds were being built to say, don't even touch it. You know, in fact, rather than don't touch it, don't even look at it. In fact, what you should do is probably build a fence around it. There's a lot of believers that are offended by sin. We built fences around people's sin and we're so offended by sin that we boarded ourselves off from them and we never have an opportunity to show them love because we're offended and we built a wall. 
So Eve gets it from both sides. She gets the wrong word. See, when Jesus came, I'm a firm believer. One day I'm going to write a book on it. But I believe that Jesus didn't come to just die. I don't believe he just came to give us resurrection life. I think there was a whole lot more richness in his purpose. And some people were like, why did he minister for three years? To convince us that he was God. Yes, that is true. But there's more. I believe that he systematically went through and undid all of the mistakes of covenant makers, of covenant keepers. So you had Moses and you had Abraham and you had all the Adam. You had all of these people who were given commands of God that disobeyed the commands, did not follow them. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you'll see him systematically go through and go through a similar moment where he overcomes where someone else failed. Maybe I'll get into that, but here's one of them right here where Adam, where Eve is given the word. And I say Adam because the Bible actually calls her Adam. Did you know that? Husbands, wives, here's a free one for you. The Bible actually, God never calls Eve, Eve. Adam calls Eve, Eve. God says, and I will make man and I make them in my image and their name I called Adam. What God joins together, he has one name for. That's, that's for free. So when, when the serpent comes and he lies, she's already got a wrong mindset. She's already begun to take up a religious spirit that's created rules that God did not give. We are not the command givers. We are not the order givers. We're the order followers. So when we start creating orders that we must follow, there's nothing wrong with protocol. But we have to be careful that our protocol does not have a God says in front of it. There are a lot of churches that have rules that have nothing to do with the Bible. And they hold those rules just as inspired as the word of God. They wouldn't tell you that, but they would. They'll fire pastors if they break one of their made-up rules. There are a lot of churches today, you know, they have a rule. We're looking for a new senior pastor. We need someone that's over 40, is married, and has kids. If you're not married, if you're not over 40, if you don't have a master's degree, um, you cannot be the pastor here. And, and I've said this to other pastors that I know that are actually in pastoral churches for the replacement. And I said, it's nice to know where not to go that Jesus couldn't even be the pastor of. He wasn't married, he wasn't over 40, and he didn't have a master's degree. He was the master's, but there was no degree. And we create rules that we have to stick to that, that go against the word of God and we're unflexible. There's nothing wrong with protocol. There's nothing wrong with creating some order. We're made in his image, but we cannot elevate that to scripture. And a lot of the church would say, well, that's not scripture, but they'll hold it like it is. And so they treat it, they'll say it isn't, but they'll treat it like a thing. So even though you say it, what you do becomes a thing. See, that word devar is the thing you do or the thing you speak. And both of them have power. So here's what happens. He comes and he says, you shall not surely die. And she comes back with, and God said. What do we see Jesus do in the garden? Uh, excuse me, in the desert. From the garden. When the enemy comes at him and brings the same types of accusation, you will not surely die. Throw yourself off the cliff. The angels will catch you. You will not die. You will not be harmed. Don't worry. And he comes back with the right word of God. Eve, Eve speaks something that is not. It's tainted. 
And because of that, there is not the same power and authority. But Jesus comes and he faced temptation by the enemy, just like Adam and Eve faced temptation by the enemy, except Jesus quotes the word right and the enemy flees instead of mankind running for the life. Oh, this is getting gooder and gooder right now. The world fell into sin when the enemy spoke to Eve, when it went from words to a thing. That's what happened. The enemy spoke to Eve, and what was just words became a thing. It became the fall of man. It became an eaten fruit. What was a word became a fruit that was eaten. When he said eat, and she did, something shifted. Something changed. Your mindset, let me say this to you. Get Hear me now. Your mindset produces seeds. Your words produce seeds. Your mindset produces seeds, but your word produces seeds that turn into fruit. So what you think becomes a seed, then you start to declare that seed grows into a fruit. Let me put it this way. Your words produce produce. Come on. Food. Your words are something that your spirit feasts on. In fact, I would say this. The enemy feasts on your words. You know, the enemy was not created with the Ruach, the breath of God inside of him. He was not made with, this, with the power of God breathed inside of his lungs. You were made in the image of God, and then God breathed into you. You're the one with prophetic power. God spoke and prophesied to nothing, and it became something. He said something, and it became a thing. And he put that power in you. And the enemy loves to use you to create things. He loves to manifest things in the world, darkness, hurt, pain, suffering, because we speak it out of our mouths, and it becomes actions that we move in. What we think becomes our words, what we do with our words becomes our actions, and that's what ends up happening. And if you don't believe me, the enemy loves it, not just because he creates chaos, but it's his dinner bell. It's his food source. It's what he feeds on. You don't believe me? When Eve encounters him in the garden, he's the size of a snake. But when we get to the book of Revelation, he's the great dragon. Somebody fed that snake and he got bigger. And every time we have a wrong mindset, church, every time we speak and declare things that are not as though they are, that are against the will of God, we feed the dragon in our life and we wonder why the slippery serpent takes over. We wonder why he has dominion in our lives and he's still speaking to us because you're feeding him with your words. You have to change your thought pattern. Even if you don't believe it, start believing it. Learn to be like the man who said... Do you believe I can heal your son? And he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. He didn't have the right faith, but he knew that he needed to. And he began to declare, I believe. Help my unbelief. He recognized there was still unbelief, and he was pressing through the process. So he's been feeding on our power of our spoken words for thousands of years. We need to change our mindsets. So it starts with getting into the word of God. 
It starts to be like Jesus where whenever negative thoughts come, we have a scripture to defend. There are a lot of people that call me and they say, Pastor Ren, please pray for me. Please pray for me. And I'm like, okay, what are we standing on? What do you mean, what are we standing on? I just need you to pray for me. What have you been praying so I can agree? The Bible says two. Two come into agreement. And it happens. What are you agreeing? What can I agree with you on? Oh, uh, well, uh, well, what scripture are you declaring? Ah, uh, well, ah. Uh, I can't help you overcome if I'm the only thought you have. If every positive thing about God comes out of my mouth and not your mind and out of your mouth, there's nothing I can do to transform your life permanently. I could put a Band-Aid on this week, but you will run into obstacles you cannot overcome. When life hits you at 2 in the morning and I'm not there to speak it, you're going to have to learn how to change your mindsets and declare the word of God over yourself. That's what needs to happen. So when you're defeated and you're like, oh, God, I can't understand why I can't overcome this thing. God, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I believe, help my unbelief. Mark 11, 22 through 24, and I'm going to close right here. Jesus tells us how to release our faith. He says, have faith in God for surely. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whoever, whatever thing you ask when you pray, believe and you'll receive them and you will have them. Notice Jesus says believe twice, but he says says four times. He tells them to believe twice. He tells them to say it four times. Whatever it is that you are trying to think, whatever it is that your thought process is, you need to start declaring it twice as much as you think it. And when a negative thought comes, you better declare the word of God twice as much as you think the negative thought. You better start speaking out of your mouth that which you think. I just firmly believe if someone says, how do I overcome these negative thoughts? Start screaming, Jesus. Your neighbors will think you're crazy. Let them. Start yelling out, Jesus. Start yelling out. Oh, gosh, I just feel so defeated. right? And the negative thought starts coming, like, how will I ever, and I'll never, and I just can't. And all these negative things start coming in, and all of a sudden it becomes, no, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am pressed down, shaken together, overflowing with the goodness and power of God. And enemy, you're turning back into a gardener snake. I'm done with a great serpent. I'm done with a great dragon. You have no authority over my life anymore, and I break off Every weapon that you've ever had, it says that Jesus disarmed the enemy. I'm the one with the sword, and you can go back to where you belong. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email, and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom. Shalom.